0: i um.
1: Please join me in prayer and petition and intercession. We We praise praise. you as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We ask that you fill us now, Holy Spirit. Speak through me, speak through everyone who will be talking today. I do ask personally for calmness and peace, the peace that only you can give. We pray for those, Lord, that Are in such need there's so many needs out there there's needs of just basic survival there's needs of physical health and mental health there's needs of just getting by day to day Lord we know that we can trust you for every one of these things that you will provide for us we pray for those at home that are listening. We pray for those that might be in the hospital or are in a long-term care facility. We pray for each and everyone here that may be feeling illness, may need strengthening, and maybe just need to be having their minds opened and their ears open to hearing what you're saying to them, Lord be with each and every one, we do pray for Pastor Randy who had some kind of an injury during his hunting. He's okay and he's back out there today again and he'll tell you more about it when he comes back, I'm sure. (laughs) So we pray for his healing and we pray for all those people that are out there hunting this weekend that there would be no injuries to human beings. Let's take a moment to just silently think about those that we know personally. They have need of prayer, and Lord, we just ask that you would bless everyone. Lord, we just pray that you would answer these prayers, and we know that you will answer them according to your will because you know us better than anybody else and all the people that we're praying for. Let us join together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen do we have anybody assigned to do scripture today well are you in cor- are you you you're speaking on something different today right okay All right, we'll let Mike incorporate his um, scripture then right into that. So Mike, if you want to do your moments with the laity.
0: The scripture is Mark 12, 38 through 34, or 44. And in his teaching he said, beware the scribes who like to go about in long robes and have their solutions in marketplaces. Salutations, sorry. (laughs) And the best seats in the synagogues and the place of honor at the feasts, who devour widows' houses and pretends make long prayers they will receive the greater condemnation and he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the multitude putting money into the treasury many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two copper coins which make a penny and he called his disciples to him and he said to them truly i say to you this poor widow has put in more than all those was contributing to the treasury, for all they contributed out of their abundance. But she gave out of her property, has in everything she had, her whole living. My lay sermon today is going to be on worship. How and or why? The scripture I've chosen for my uh, lay sermon is John chapter 4, verse 23. As difficult as it sounds, we are to be praising and worshiping God with every living moment of our lives. I came across a proposition that states worshiping is why God created us. That's not too big of an assumption, considering angels are only created to deliver messages and praise. We have a relationship with God through Christ that shouldn't, but often, too often is. Once is too often. Broken down to man-made rules of religiosity. In a traditional Christian service, there are no overly restrictive Or should be any overly restrictive or repressive rules and mandates that can be found in other types of denominations. Unbelievably enough, all you need to know about worshiping God is found in one verse of the Bible, John chapter 4, verse 23. Let me read that for you. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such the Father seeks. To worship Him, one verse, but it says an awful lot. Two aspects: God looks at two aspects for our following of Him. They're mandatory to truly worship God: spirit, small s, thats in us—and truth. Those are the only people that exhibit these two things. Are the only people that God is seeking. Ever notice that our services start with the we sing in the hymns? We do. We sing hymn and praise God before we ever read or listen to a passage from the Bible. I would never thought about this, but it's done in a way that way in every house of worship that I've ever been. It's customary to sing praise to God and the Lord before the word is ever read or even heard. The reason for this is the first aspect of his worship, praise. We praise him not only with our words when we're reading them out of the hymnal, but also as individuals with our voices. He created gave us these voices for that specific purpose. I will say that. I will stand on the rock. We have voices to praise and worship the living God. I'm not saying our voice or your voice is the only way to worship God. Certainly not all people are blessed with a voice and some may not even be able to use it for the time being. But this doesn't matter to God. There are many ways, a multiple, a multitude, I should say, of worshiping God. We don't just have to use our voice. We can especially use our actions. When other people, when others see us working for the Lord and doing things on His behalf, it doesn't just make us look good. It brings glory to Him, which is the point of everything that we do anyway, or should be that point. So what is the best way to worship, I wonder? Some choose singing, some play music with instruments and in prayer, or some clap and dance and use movements of their body. King David himself danced before the Lord with all of his might. He didn't do it reservedly. He didn't just, well, I think I'll dance a little, do a little jig for the Lord. No, he danced with all his might. He showed the Lord, this is what I'm doing to praise and honor you as we should with everything we do. It may seem odd or untenable for us to worship that way, but I submit to you that it's never proper, really, to judge or cut down somebody else's form of worship. Of course, as long as it's biblical and Christian, there's no wrong way to worship God, really. If you're really doing it in your spirit, connected to his spirit, it can't be wrong. It might look a little odd to us or those who don't. I have charismatic services. Or it might seem maybe a little weird because geez, I've never seen anybody dance around a church. It's not for us to judge. That movement and those actions are done for one reason, to praise and worship him. It's unfair for us to judge that. It's not, it's not cool. It's not understanding that. We do not judge. We should not judge. You know who judges somebody's worship he does however their spirit is connecting with his spirit it's just fine if it's good for god and acceptable to god it should be good and acceptable to us conversely others may uh worship in a more traditional style they may not move a lot they're not very charismatic but the charismatics may seek this service as dull and boring I can see it both ways. It's unfit for some people. After all, it's wrong for them to judge our form of worship. It's just as wrong as us judging their form of worship. Everyone alive, every single human being on the face of this earth, is in a different level of spiritual development in the way they worship. This brings me to a second mandatory aspect to God of worship. Truth, relating to the charismatic God followers that I've mentioned. No matter how the Spirit is moved and realized in the worship during a service, the only thing that matters to God and should be to us is that it's done with joy and truth. I'm going back to our verse there. That's what he seeks. That's who he looks for. Those worshiping him in joy and truth. The Holy Spirit may work differently with every person, like I said before. He may touch some to pray. He may touch some to clap. He may touch some like David to dance. In others, he may just say, be quiet, sit down and pray. If he says sit down and pray, we should do that. If he says clap, we should do that. If he says dance, who are we? Who am I? Who are we? Any of us that tell God, no, nah, I don't feel like God. If his spirit is moving you to do it, Do it. There's no considerations of others' feelings or what they think of it is necessary. We shouldn't be critical or look down on people, others that are truly worshiping God, no matter how they are doing it. Like I say, as long as it's biblical, it's correct. In closing, despite all of our worship differences, I'm talking worldwide, or between denominations, I pray that every Christian, In the sound of my voice and those on our side of the planet, grow in love, peace, enjoy God's mercy, and most importantly, do what they do for the Lord in unity. God made us all one. God doesn't look at you when you have faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, but you did this, so you're over here. No, he does not. He looks for unity. That is why Christ died on the cross, for unity, as one body the lord's peace love and grace proper worship come to us all thank you
1: at this time if gary and robin would join me in place of the sermon today we're going to be giving i guess you could call it maybe a series of little mini sermons we all attended a conference which gary will be telling us about shortly and are reporting back to you what we've learned
2: good morning my first time up here so bear with me we attended a conference the new day conference uh A Midwest gathering to explore the global Methodist Church in August 20th and 21st, Friday and Saturday, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Myself, Robin, and Kathy attended this conference. It began Friday with registration at 1.30 in the afternoon. Since it was in Sioux Falls, a four-hour drive, we left early in the morning, we stopped for lunch before the conference at Falls Park, which is just a couple minutes away from the conference. Falls Park is the city's main attraction. It's uh, very beautiful, lots of paths, and I'd recommend it if you're ever in the Sioux Falls area to go see Falls Park. The conference was held in the historic Orpheum Theater. After registration, the opening worship began with singing and prayer. It was a very moving experience and all united us all who came from different parts of the region, bonding us one in Christ. This continued throughout the evening and into the next day, worship interspersed between various speakers. We would now like to share what we learned facts and thoughts from each of our own perspective and from the various speakers and the breakout sessions we attended. First, we'll share about the global Methodist Church, what is it, what's happening to the Methodist Church as we take sides. As you know, may recall, the United Methodist Church has been in odds and disagreement with wording and interpretation of the scripture and our own book of discipline. Many Many strong opinions have been formed and we seem to be at an impasse. With this most likely respectful impasse come the thoughts and conclusions of splitting the church. The global Methodist church feels that God is calling us to move into a new day as possible people called Methodists. The Holy Spirit is reviving the Methodist movement in a new work. The global Methodist church would come into existence at this next conference. Now I will have Robin read the mission.
3: Good morning, brothers and sisters. Before I go on, I wanna elaborate on Michael's lay sermon. There's many forms of worship, including, like if you, you may not speak, but you could be a phenomenal artist. You could be doing things with art and clay. You could be doing that and using that for spiritual outreach as well as the way we call the traditional worship. Dance maybe, like Michael said. So I just wanted to elaborate more on that before. The mission of the United Methodist Global Methodist was our mission is to make disciples of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, to worship passionately, love extendedly, and witness boldly. In our worship, we desire to surrender and to be devoted to one, God the Father, Yahweh, the Son and Ruha the Holy Spirit. We are passionate about what is important to God. Yeshua, Jesus, called us, calls those to follow Him and love Adonai and God wholeheartedly and love their neighbors as themselves. We will demonstrate this to the world with the extravagant love of Adonai and God, within the person Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ. We have been entrusted with the life-saving and transformation message that we must share with others. Our witness will be bold, compelling, and fearless. Our mission advances when individuals become disciples of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, and join Adonai's Yahweh's mission to make more disciples. Okay,
1: I am going to present the vision. Now we're taking this information from a pamphlet that we were handed when we were at the conference. I have made black and white copies for everybody so that you can have this as a reference. So I will hand those out after we're done here. The vision is to join God in a journey of bringing new life, reconciliation, and the presence of Christ to all people and to helping each other to increasingly reflect the character of Christ. Through our ministries, we desire to share the whole counsel of God with all peoples and to advance the presence and fulfillment of the kingdom of God in every part of the world and at all levels of societies and cultures. The Global Methodist Church is committed to the lordship of Jesus Christ, the inspiration and authority of the scriptures, and the work of the Holy Spirit in conveying God's truth and grace to all people. We will be a global church that recognizes and deploys the gifts and contributions of each part of the church, working as partners in the gospel with equal voice and leadership. Our witness to the world will be marked by mutual love, concern, sharing, and a focus on those who are most vulnerable. We will watch over one another in love and bear witness to the transforming power of the good news as we humbly but boldly strive to serve others as ambassadors of Christ. Starting with Robin, we're each gonna give kind of a personal overview of what we saw and felt and heard when we came into that church. So each one of us will take that turn.
3: The United Methodist Church Conference. The future of the church, the issues that we cannot be the same on is the liberal agenda and compromise the Bible to fit the narrative of the world's world. Therefore, there will be a time in the near future that we will have to vote on from the United Methodist Church or to the Wesleyan Church. Look up John, Johann 316. As a congregation, we will need to decide. The Wesleyan Church, conservative and biblical theology, or we merge and be a part of the World Globus Methodist Church, which is pretty much everything goes, taking scripture, making it fit the agenda and not what the world really means, especially in the globalist Methodists. The globalist Methodists want to change scripture and add or take away, which in scripture it clearly states, let it be a curse, Revelation 22, 18 and 19. We are instructed through all scripture to change the world and not the world change the church. The thing we cannot do is bless what the Lord says is abomination. We are unable to call good or blessed. We cannot be a part of a church that blesses sin and abomination. The Global Methodist is setting up a global caucus division of the division in the casting system, meaning you versus me, us versus them. We need to be like the first century church where both sides sit down no matter what the status. The church should not be held hostage to what they believe is cancel culture. Cancel culture is where someone disagrees with you, saying and what you are saying and twists to fit their agenda and threaten you with job loss, career loss, your life, even your life sometimes, even death threats, because feelings over facts. Galatians 3.1. The world sees how the church functions like everyone else. Genesis 11, Jeremiah 29. The praise and worship is very powerful. We had a very strong presence of the Ruha Hakadosh, the Holy Spirit. In the evening time during the session we had small prayer groups. The prayer group I was with I had my friend, he is a brother in the Lord, Clint on the phone, and his wife Judy. And four others in my group we were doing spiritual warfare and praying for this country and Christine on to keep her strong. Christine Ohm is the governor of South Dakota, and she is not bowing down to this medical tyranny and not bowing down to discrimination, unlike our state, Minnesota, a.k. Minnesota. The session group that I was in was, his name was Kuwan. Kevin, or Koo in Korea, is his name. Kevin and the small group talked about the culture and how the church adapts to the culture of the people and their customs. He talked about what it means to be Wesleyan and how some of the culture norms within society fit and how it's reacted to different cultures, not going on about one church does one thing, another does another thing different. We need to look beyond our cultural differences and look how we perceive the Lord and how the Lord uses it. And he talks about how we need, to be, we, we need to be changing the world and not the world sadly changing the church, which we're seeing on a daily basis where the world influences the church, where it should be the church influences the
2: world. After attending this conference, I kind of looked into things that are happening in the United Methodist Church. I even noticed this before. Probably five or ten years ago, I was invited by Randy to attend the Minnesota conference, which was held in uh, St. Cloud, and I was amazed at what was happening right in our own state. Over half of the, the participants in the conference were, were open to uh, changing the Book of Discipline and, and, uh, and their interpretation of the scriptures. But they made a decision at the start of that conference that we wouldn't be fighting, you know, Talking about each other. We're just uh, gonna have a conference on the other things. They didn't want to really get into this issue because That issue has to be decided in the national more the national conference and what happened in uh, 2019 uh, United Methodist conference a a special session of the national conference they the people that want to change the progressives we may call them to include the LGBTQ in the church, they were disappointed on the vote because uh, the people from other nations all gathered with us in the US and they could not pass the resolutions they wanted to change the book of discipline and the, uh, the interpretation of scriptures. So there were, uh, there were conflicts and protests and it got so out of hand that you probably saw coverage in the papers from this. So the uh, traditionalists, you know, since this has been going on for a while, they, they formed a, a group called the Wesleyan Convent Ordering As- Association. It was led by Boyette, and it was formed in 2016. It was planning for this possible split of the United Methodist Church, knowing what was going on, because uh, they kept trying to say, yeah, we can, we can all agree that this is gonna be okay. Well, we can't, as uh, traditionalists, and uh, so the, uh, the Wesleyan uh, Covenant Association uh, realized that. And uh, they, they can, will continue to exist until the global, Methodist Church comes into existence, and that is expected to happen in September of 2022 if they're able to have another global conference of the people have agreed that they would agree to a split because we cannot agree, well, uh, changing the Book of Discipline to their pleasure. The name Global Methodist Church is in the spirit of Methodism founded by John Wesling in a statement, the world is my parish. The logo, I don't know if you, you can see it, the logo has three circles uh, representing the Trinity and the cross in the center. Its sky blue color reminds us that even though global Methodists live all around the world, they are united together in God's great creation.
1: The whole conference where everybody was gathered together in light of all the differences that, that Gary was talking about and that what we see when the, the Methodists gather, it was a very soul-satisfying and kind of uniting feeling to come together with people of like beliefs. There was no my opinion and your opinion. There was passion regarding our Savior, Jesus Christ, about worshiping him and serving him. The Holy Spirit was definitely moving, and the Lord God Almighty Blessed was blessed through our worship. Now, I mean that was just a really heartwarming time. It just it really felt bonding and uniting to be there, and I just can't really say enough about that. But you'll have to take my word for it. One of the speakers, actually the first speaker, was the Reverend Rob Renfro. He won't read his intro real quick here. President of Good News, past president of the Confessing Movement, lead pastor of The Loft at the Woodlands UMC, author of five books, including Are We Really Better Together? An Evangelical Perspective on the Division in the UMC. The founder of Quest, a men's ministry attended by 500 men weekly that has built 40 houses and 12 churches in Latin America. I'm going to refer to him as Pastor Rob. Pastor Rob is a man who has an apparent love of the Lord. He feels great passion as to what is happening in the umc today his scriptural reference that he used primarily is from the book of jude which as you recall is just one chapter long so we're looking at verses three and four and i'm just going to read those for you beloved while i was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation i felt the necessity to write you Appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master, Lord Jesus Christ. My Bible study notes point out that Jude is saying the Bible is inspired by God and should never be twisted or manipulated. When it is, we can become confused over right and wrong and lose sight of the only path that leads to eternal life. So Jude felt he needed to bring them all back to the basics of their faith. Some of today's churches have false teachers who crept in unnoticed and are twisting the Bible's teachings to justify their own opinions, lifestyle, or wrong behavior. God will judge them for excusing, tolerating, or promoting sin. What a person truly believes will show up in how he or she acts. Those who truly have faith will show it by their deep respect for God and their sincere desire to live according to the principles of his word. Pastor Rob expressed his feeling that this is relevant now. We have had to argue or contend for the gospel and that we cannot recreate the Bible. He feels that there is a false understanding of morality that some are missing what God has revealed to be his will in morality. These people are in the church, disturbing the unity of the church, arguing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are no longer the same United Methodist Church. A split is in process and we will likely see this happen, as Gary mentioned, probably at the next conference in September of 2022. A number of progressive ministers don't want to follow our discipline. We have become too different In parting from the church, we need to remain respectful. If we don't have a love for gay people, to just shorten this, we have a bigger problem than they do. If we can't love all people, we are lost. There's no consensus among scientists regarding the cause of homosexuality. More people are left out of the kingdom for heterosexual sin than homosexual sin. Insensitivity to gays will not bring them to Christ. All are welcome. All of us have a sinful nature and need to deny that part of ourselves. Grace and transformation are available to all people. Step into this new thing God is doing, the Global Methodist Church. So I'm gonna just continue then with the breakout session. Robin already spoke a little bit about, one of the other speakers that Robin spoke about, that she was in his group when the breakout session was the, the Reverend Kiwan more commonly called Kevin, Ryu. And he is an elder in the full connection of Dakota's annual conference, the United Methodist Church. Okay, 14 years local church ministry in Dakota's and Minnesota annual conference. Executive Secretary, the Korean Association of the United Methodist Church. Editor, devotional magazine to the Pleasant Hill for the Korean United Methodist Church former GBGM ethnic ministry missionary for Korea, Korean ministry plan, and a member of the Transitional Leadership Council, the Global Methodist Church. He is not available to look at podcasts, and I'm just going to say briefly what I know of him and what he had to say. He talked a lot about segregation and that the fact that that's something we need to ask forgiveness for. Segregation is not okay. God welcomes all people. So give all your attention to God and listen for his whisper. So basically, what else he had to say was he was really upset and very, very emotional about what the Methodist Church was doing to him. He had been a pastor for several years, and eventually he got moved into the Dakotas, as he called himself, the only Korean in North Dakota. (laughs) And he probably was not too far from the truth. But he suddenly had the rug pulled out from under him without or with very, very little explanation. He was asked to leave his church and they had nothing else for him to go to. Basically, they did not reassign him. He was just kind of left out in the cold and he was very, very sad and very emotional and very unhappy. He didn't know why. No explanations were given to him. So that's what I can tell you about Dr. Kivon. Kevin Ryu. Okay, so now in the, in the breakout sessions, I, I listened to Dr. Joy Jatan-Moore. She is such a good speaker, and she talked so fast that my notes are like little phrases before she'd go on to the next one, and then I'd write another little phrase. And so I'm just trying to put together what she said, so it's going to sound a little bit hit or miss here, but preparing for the end game is, is the name of her, her talk. And what are we heading for? She talked about higher education being in trouble, especially theological. She quoted, it was the worst of times, it was the best of times. And you probably recognize that from Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities. God is forming a people. He wanted a community bound together in peace. We can't get by without God. We are preparing to get people to leave and plant instead of an institution which we have created. We don't have commitment to institution in the church. Don't try to preserve the institution. Do prepare to go out and do God's will and care. When we gather on Sunday mornings, are we all about God? We come to fellowship in our church community. Do you come out of church showing God's love? Our task as an game. this church is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that people will recognize us as being of God. How are we to keep movement? from in being institutionalized. It is in the small things that we do out of love. She referred to uh, something that someone had told her that at restaurants, the after church crowd are some of the worst that come in. They're unthankful and demanding. Restaurant staff will not attend churches where people are like this. She said, overtip and be a blessing instead. The majority of churches are not even talking about the split. Does this feel like a people that I wanna be with? It is important to know their foundation of whatever way you decide to go. Wesley, our founder, his guidelines, as you've heard Pastor Randy say many times, scripture, experience, tradition, and reason. Is your passion to bring sinners to repentance? God is at work in his holiness. He wants us to reform the church, the nation, to spread scriptural holiness. We are perfected in love. Let people look at you, and as Mike said, see God. We are brothers and sisters in life and in God. Be forgiving. that was the gist of her message. And Gary will talk about the other speaker, Dr. Chris Ritter.
2: The Reverend Dr. Chris Ritter, uh, elder of the Illinois Great River Conference of the United Methodist Church, graduated magna cum laude from the Chandler School of Theology before graduating with honors. General Conference delegate in 2016 and 2019 has served on the Global Council of the Wesleyan Covenant Association since its founding in 2016. Author of Seven things John Wesley expected us to do for kids, and his articles on uh, Methodist renewal have been featured in several publications. He and his wife Becky have been married 33 years, and have uh, the couple has four adult children. Chris spoke about the start of the Methodist Church in England and its founder John Wesley. He talked about the 1820 convention in Liverpool. This was 30 years after Wesley's death. The delegates were worried about the large loss of membership in the church. They looked back at the writings of Wesley and evangelism, which was so important to him. They came up with 31 resolutions. They knew they had to start a renewal in the church, and everything starts with prayer. A quote they had is, all must be saved, all can be saved. All must know they are saved and can be saved to the uttermost. Chris believes that all United Methodists should be planters or evangelists. If you feel you can't do that, pray for wisdom so that you can.
1: All right, in order to avoid everybody staying here until, you know, 3 o'clock this afternoon. We'll have questions and answers in the lounge during coffee hour. Um, I don't know. I think offertory plate should be at the back there, so we'll just go ahead with the offertory prayer. So if you would say this with me. God of endless generosity, we lift our offerings to you, fully knowing our gifts fall short when compared with the poor widow Jesus saw who gave two small coins in her temple offering. We know that until we have experienced a moment of that kind of trust, gratitude, and sacrifice, we don't know the heights of joy that generosity can bring. Until that time, grow our hearts in giving and in compassion for those our offerings will touch and bless. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You would turn in your purple book to the offertory For hymn, Blessed be the time that binds.
3: Just a reminder, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we are having a movie outreach and potluck at the church. The movie is called Before the Bath. All are invited, YouTube audience or television radio audience, if you want to come the second the Sunday before Thanksgiving, bring a dish to share. We'd love to have you. After the church service.
4: mm mm-hmm.